are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday, September 28th edition of Locked On Dolphins, my first Career Victory Monday podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host, and today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be official partner of the NFL. And NFL Week 3 action, we just have the Monday Night Football game tonight. Really don't care, whatever, Baltimore, Kansas City. Hey, victory Monday for the Miami Dolphins. Coming off the heels, we did the post-game reaction on Friday from Thursday night's impressive victory. The haters will say, yes, well, Jacksonville without DJ Chark, I don't care. I don't care. And the reason why I don't care is the Miami Dolphins do not win football games in the manner in which they they won on Thursday. Promising step forward. And some of you made sure you tweeted at me on Sunday at Grind and Tape and asked if the dynamics of the Buffalo Bills victory over the LA Rams helped make me feel any better about a week two loss to the Buffalo Bills. And it did to a certain degree. Obviously, Buffalo uh, blowing a 28-3 to lead, and then having to come back in the final two minutes of the game and, and ultimately win that game 35-20 or 32. Impressive win for Buffalo. Buffalo now 3-0. L.A. Rams look super impressive for the first two weeks of the season. And, uh, yeah, with the more information that you get, Buffalo's one of those teams that you tip the cap to them. They look really, really good in a lot of ways. Just like our week four opponent, the Seattle Seahawks. Let's talk a little bit about Seattle. Seattle winning against Dallas at home, 38-31. And I said this for USA Today's Dolphins Wire on Sunday morning. So one of the best things, Dolphins don't play on Sunday. You can root for three things as a Miami Dolphins fan on Sunday without the Dolphins playing. You should be rooting first and foremost for a successful home win for Seattle. The reason being, Seattle is not the kind of team with an elite quarterback that you want to catch pissed off coming off a loss. So for Seattle to themselves blow a 15-point second-half lead and then ultimately get the job done, win the football game by a final score of 38-31 against Dallas to move to 3-0 with some of the flaws that they have, and we'll talk about that throughout the course of today's show, It puts Miami in a position to face Seattle in the right frame of mind to potentially create a big upset. I believe Miami last I saw was nine-point underdogs against Seattle. If you could find that line on the book somewhere, I would take it. And it's for a lot of the same reasons that we talked about with Buffalo coming down in week two, but much more exacerbated. Buffalo's defense is bad, or at least they have been. Uh, to start the year. But if the Buffalo's defense is bad, uh, Seattle's is tragically bad early on. Uh, Seattle has given up 
the third most points in NFL history at 86 for any team to start the year at 3-0. 86 points a lot, almost 30 points a game Seattle is conceding to their opponents. And furthermore, and this one is going to make your eyeballs just fall right out of your head, because that's what it did for me. The Seattle Seahawks have allowed the second most yardage through three games of any team in NFL history with 1,492 yards allowed. That number coming in just behind, you guessed it, the 2019 Miami Dolphins. So think about that. Think about how bad the Dolphins were through their first three games of the year last year, which was Baltimore, New England, and the Dallas Cowboys. And all the yards and all the points that they gave up, Seattle's defense this year has given up six less yards in three games than what the Dolphins' defense did last year. What? Now, none, I don't want to put the car before the horse. Russell Wilson is going to be the X-factor variable for this football game. Of course he will. But, nevertheless, you start looking at the dynamics of the Seattle team. 3-0 West Coast team having to come all the way across the country. It's as far of a travel trip as you could possibly make in this league, unless you go to London. Add on top of that, really porous defense. Add on top of that, Dolphins, for the first time in five years, scoring 28-plus points in in consecutive games. Dolphins' offense has some things that are clicking. Add on top of that, Jamal Adams had a groin strain at the end of this game last night against Dallas. Maybe he's up in the air for his availability. So take a bad Seahawks defense, subtract Jamal Adams from it, take the Dolphins' home field advantage dynamic, a confident 3-0 team that is almost historically bad on defense from a yardage perspective. Can you kind of see the angle that I'm starting to craft on how the Dolphins should maybe look to attack this football game. You don't have to run the ball. Obviously, running the ball would be a huge boost. But Dallas couldn't run the ball against Seattle. I'm not going to expect Miami to have a ton of success running the football. But with that said, what Miami can do that Dallas doesn't do a lot of is run out of the gun and try and manufacture some lighter boxes. If the Dolphins can play Ball control in Chang Gailey's quick game offense is very much going to be a lot of ball control. Nickel and dime our way down the field. That's how Ryan Fitzpatrick ends up completing 21 consecutive passes between the Buffalo game and the Jacksonville game. You can kind of manufacture your own kind of quasi West Coast offense, quick passing game, extension of the run game, ball possession game plan. And if I'm Miami against a team that I should feel confident I can move the ball against because everybody's moved the ball against Seattle thus far this season, you get extra time, you get an extra four days to rest ahead of this football game, so Devontae Parker's hamstring should feel really good coming into the football game. Give everybody a chance to heal up. You get Byron Jones potentially back. If you get Byron back, I can get really excited about that matchup with him and DK Metcalf. Not that you're ever going to fully shut DK down. 
but you guys can kind of see the pathway here, right? Make no mistake, you know, a bunch of Seahawks fans went off and even a bunch of weirdos that aren't Seahawks fans last night, and that's literally what I said. All, all I said on Twitter was, a Seattle win is good for Miami because you don't want to face a team like Seattle coming off of a loss. They'll be extra focused, extra motivated. A 3-0 and Seattle team who continues to struggle defensively but feels really good about themselves because they're 3-0, and coming all the way across the country for a 1 o'clock kick, having to wear colors on Miami. Yeah, best case scenario for Miami. Huh, you think the Dolphins have a chance? Okay. I really don't care. Like, I didn't even say Miami's going to win the game. I think Miami can win the game. I think Miami continues to be a lot better than people think. But again, the Dolphins have to earn respect. It's going to be one of the themes of the first half of the season this year. Dolphins have to earn it. They're not going to get it. They're going to have to take it. I'm sure the Dolphins wouldn't have it any other way, right? But that's kind of... As I look coming out of week three of the season and start projecting and looking forward to week four, that's where my mind goes. That's how I look at this football game. Now, let's see how the week goes. Can we get Byron Jones on track to play? Not before, of course, tomorrow's Power to the Pod, in which you guys are going to bring your talking points, the things you want to talk about about the Miami Dolphins, our first victory Power to the Pod, which I'm super stoked about. As a reminder, if you're new to the show, I took this show over from Travis Winfield in February of this year. And we got our first dub together. So we're all in the maze together. We're all trying to figure out how to get the cheese, survive a season, enjoy a season, get some dubs. Thursday was a step in the right direction. Do want to look at the rest of the league as well from a Dolphins landscape perspective because there were some things that happened over the course of the weekend that we should definitely be paying attention to. But first... Doesn't matter whether you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair, everyone needs support to make it through the day. And luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief from muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-finding compounds like vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and get everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONNFL, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBD. MD. So, Kyle, what else went on around the rest of the league that you're interested in talking to everyone about? I'm really glad you asked. Because the first place my mind goes is to the fine, lovely city of Houston, filled with wonderful, beautiful people like Bill O'Brien, who, of course, was the primary engineer of the Miami Dolphins trading Laramie Tunsil to the Houston Texans, for two first-round picks and a second-round pick and some extra change thrown in along the way. Well, I don't know if you guys caught the game last night, but Houston lost to Pittsburgh to fall to 0-3 on the season by a final score of 28-21. Houston, in this football game against Pittsburgh, Scored 21 first-half points, was shut out of the second half. 
They've scored 57 points and conceded 95 in three games this season. Allowed 34, 33, and 28 points in three games this year. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news to Houston, but Laramie Tunsil ain't going to help you on defense. So expect it to be a bumpy ride. And, by the way, a 28-21 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Houston Texans scored 21 points in the first half, shut out of the second half, as a team rushed for 29 yards and gave up five sacks to Deshaun Watson. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to spend and like spend like crazy to fix an offensive line, I'd probably expect a little bit better ROI than what I'm getting early on in 2020. And of course, I'm not just gloating just to gloat. This matters to the Dolphins. Because the Dolphins are in possession of Houston's first and second round picks in 2021. And the worse Houston is, the better those picks become. And you look at the landscape for Houston moving forward from here. You got three losses already. Okay, so let's just take a little walk down the rest of the schedule for Houston. Vikings, winnable game. Minnesota's terrible. Jacksonville, obviously a winnable game. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that Houston bounces back and wins their next two football games. At Tennessee, Tennessee is 3-0. Tennessee has had a lot of success. They seem to have bottled the Ryan Tannehill magic from last year. Continue rolling forward. Losable game, that would give them four. The following week, they paid the Green Bay Packers. Well, I don't know if you watched that game on Sunday Night Football, but Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, as my boss and colleague at the Draft Network, Paige DeMacos, refers to it, Aaron Rodgers is on an FU tour because the Packers used their first-round pick to presumably draft his replacement instead of helping him with more offensive weapons. Rodgers is lighting the world on fire. No-look passes. The Packers have hung up an immense amount of points through the first three games of the season. They scored 37 last night, and their first two games were 42 and 43. They are a buzzsaw right now. Houston's got them in a month, October 25th. That would be five losable games. At Jacksonville, I think Houston's comfortably better than Jacksonville, but I don't think, I also didn't think Jacksonville would beat Indianapolis, so you never know. I'm not going to call it a loss, though, because I want to be fair and objective on this show. Still sitting at five. At Cleveland, well, that's not great. Cleveland is two and one. Cleveland is running the ball with great efficiency. I think Cleveland gives Houston a lot of matchups. Baker Mayfield played perhaps his most efficient game of the season in Week 3. Let's call it six losable games. Then you play the New England Patriots. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, Miami gave up 211 rushing yards to New England in Week 1. Patriots played the Raiders, the team that the Dolphins traded Raekwon McMillan to, and some of us were in our feelings about. And the Patriots rushed for 250 yards against the Raiders with Raekwon McMillan getting a start at inside linebacker. Yikes. So, could Miami have used a little bit more of a run-stuff, plug-gap-fill guy in Raekwon McMillan in Week 1? Yeah, probably. It probably would have helped a little bit. 
but it really didn't help the Raiders all that much, did it? Raiders gave up 40 more rushing yards than the Dolphins did. Gave up 36 points to New England as well. Miami held in the 21. Losable game for Houston, who's terrible in run defense? Yes. That's seven losable games. Rest of the way. Detroit, meh, okay. Indianapolis, okay, I think they'll split with Indianapolis. They play them twice in three weeks, so that gives us eight losable games. At Chicago, Chicago low-key, 3-0 team. I think they're more of a pretender than a contender, but nevertheless a 3-0 team in Chicago in December. Nine losable games. Colts again. Bengals and Titans to close the season, including Titans January 3rd. This team has the potential to be a 10-loss team this year, the Houston Texans. There's a real chance the Texans have a worse record at the end of the road than what the Miami Dolphins do. Because all the personnel moves that we've made, who would have thought getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins would be a bad idea? Who would have thought that bringing David Johnson in to be our ball carrier would be a bad idea? David Johnson, through three games, has carried the ball 35 times, and he has 134 rushing yards, 3.8 yards per carry. Texans can't run the ball. They can't stop the run. They can't play defense in general. Listen, Dolphins fans, get stoked. Because these Houston assets, yeah, it stunk to see Houston go on the run, make the playoffs last year. But even with the expanded playoff spot, I, I got a really hard time seeing, unless Houston magically finds a switch to flip, that they're going to be in the running this year. AFC's got like three... Five 3-0 teams. Right now, they've got six undefeated teams, but two of them in, in Baltimore and Kansas City play tonight. If you just take it off that alone, there's 13 games left to play. Houston is in a three-game hole against almost in the entire playoff field. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And these were the best protein bars that my lips have ever touched before Built Bar went out and completely revamped their formula for creating these delicious protein bars that have less than 200 calories per bar, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, one-seventh of grams of carbs and sugar per bar of your typical protein bar, and they're delicious. So whether you're looking for a delicious post-workout meal, a keto-friendly snack, or you just like eating things that taste good, Built Bar has something for everyone. And right now, Locked On listeners can use promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com and save $10 off their next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com to save $10 off your next order of Built Bar. Our final stop around the rest of the league today, before we wrap things up, Take a little look at what's going on below the Dolphins in the AFC East standings, shall we? The New York Jets, team coached by former Dolphins head coach Adam Gase, hated team rival. They lost to the Indianapolis Colts in Week 3 by a final score of 36-7. to And that 36 from Indianapolis featured two defensive touchdowns and a safety for the Colts. So just to be clear, the Colts' defense outscored the Jets' offense while both units were simultaneously on the field 
by a score of 16 to 7. Not exactly offensive guru savant stuff from Adam Gase, is it? No. Uh, the Jets' negative 57 in point differential is the second worst point differential in the first three weeks of a season in the last five years, trailing only the 2019 Miami Dolphins, who almost got to that mark after week one. <laughs> this Jets team is terrible, guys. They're terrible in every way. And it's going to get exacerbated by the fact that the Jets play on Thursday night football this week against the Denver Broncos. And I will say this, if the Broncos come out and layeth the smacketh down on the Jets in week four in embarrassing fashion, this may be the end of Adam Gase with the Jets. Greg Williams kind of lingering here, potential interim head coach candidate once again, and the Jets are, they are watching Adam Gase's poor infrastructure on offense just completely melt away whatever promise there was slash is in quarterback Sam Darnold. We obviously, as Dolphins fans, it hurt a little bit to see Ryan Tannehill to go on to have the success that he did in Tennessee last year and the success that he's having now, but by and large, Ryan, first-round pick of the team. He normalized the Dolphins expecting to be great at quarterback again. And for that, I will always be thankful to Ryan Tannehill. When Ryan left, you look back at his legacy, and I remember what it was like before Ryan, the Chad Henney years, everything except the Chad Pennington years, from the time Marino retired to when Tannehill showed up, and it was, oh, God, please don't throw a pick. Dolphins down six, fourth quarter. Here comes the turnover. Here we go. Ryan was a above-average starting quarterback for the Dolphins. He goes to an infrastructure that really accentuates his strengths, and all of a sudden he's a great quarterback, or he plays like a great quarterback. I don't know if he is definitively yet a great quarterback or a great situation for him. And for a lot of great quarterbacks, that's enough to make them great. For a lot of great quarterbacks, the environment and their surroundings and the mentality and culture of that team and the identity of that offense allows them to play at a high level. That's something that it's become very clear between Joke Philbin and Adam Gase the Dolphins were chasing the wrong qualities for a head coach for a decade, which we knew, right? We knew. And then you see Brian Flores and what he comes in and the way they build things from the ground up, and they're going to preach patience, and it's probably going to be frustrating at times this year like it was after week two against Buffalo for a team that you had on the ropes at home. If you would have told me with five minutes left, you can get third and nine at midfield with Buffalo having the ball with the Dolphins up four, would you take it? I'd say yes every single time. Because it's five minutes late in a game in which it's been a grind-out game. It's exactly what you would want. Get a stop, get the ball, wear them down with your conditioning in South Florida Heat. Didn't work out that way. Frustrating loss. Don't believe me? Go back and listen to the podcast from that day again. 
I was really frustrated that following Monday. Feels good to be in a much better place this week coming off a win. But looking at the Jets with Adam Gase specifically, former Dolphins head coach Adam Gase, I don't see how this team, if this team comes out and lays an egg again, you cannot justify keeping him on staff. You cannot do it. And the best case scenario from there, for a Dolphins perspective, is that the Jets under Greg Williams managed to scratch out three or four wins, and they don't have themselves in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence. But that's a conversation we need to start mentally preparing ourselves to have because the Jets stink out loud. And if the Jets are going to stay committed to, quote-unquote, their process and keep Adam Gase in the building, a run or slash sprint towards the number one pick feels likely between them and the New York Giants who are equally as bad. And naturally, of course, it works out that the Dolphins play the Giants the year before instead of now. Of course. Why would they get a good break on a team that stinks? Why wouldn't they play the NFC West in 2020 when it's the most competitive the division's been in probably a decade? Three combined losses for the four teams. And of those losses, you had a tough break loss for the Rams against the Bills this past week. There's a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks. We're going to find out a lot about this Dolphins week. We had take the time that's passed from the season thus far, and you extrapolate it over the next three weeks. The Dolphins will have played three more games. They will have played Seattle at home, San Francisco at Denver on the road. Denver suddenly looks like a very winnable game. Starting quarterback, best offensive player in Cortland Sutton, best defensive player in Von Miller, out. Drew Locke may come back, but even if he does, that Broncos offensive line stinks. San Francisco, I think they had a full starting lineup out for last night's game. And they still hung 36 up on the Giants. That'll obviously be a road game for Miami. So we have a lot of learning to do over the next three weeks. But it's all in front of the Dolphins. I wouldn't look at any of the three games and say that they're not winnable football games. Will they win them all? No. I'd be foolish to sit here and tell you that after six games, we're going to find the Dolphins at four and two. But I don't think 500 is out of the realm of the possibility, and I feel like they're all winnable football games. Will that lead to more frustrations when they don't happen that way? Yeah, probably. I'll probably get a little heated, hot under the collar, and that's okay, but I hope you ride with me for that. Hit subscribe on the podcast and follow along, because for as much as we've learned about the Dolphins over these first three weeks, there is so much more to exponentially learn from them in the weeks to come. Hopefully, as they continue to find their stride and identity as a football team. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked On Dolphins. I hope you guys bring it back tomorrow for Power to the Pot.